If you missed any part of the morning show with Johnny and Ken, well, this is where you can catch yourself up. Or if you just want to relive all of those award-winning moments, you can do that with this wonderful podcast. And it's made possible by our friends at Lake Michigan College. Connect to your future. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu. I'm still questioning why we have to work if it's National Morning Host Day. No, we have to work because we have to celebrate it. But some, the question is... Who's bringing us cake? Oh, what kind of cake? Any kind of cake. What's your favorite? I, you know, I, I do defer to carrot cake a lot. Really? But uh, I'm, you know, very diverse in my cake likings. I'm a, I'm a classic yellow cake, chocolate frosting. Red velvet is good too. Mm. Which red velvet isn't red and it's, well, I mean, it's kind of red and it's kind of velvet, but it's actually chocolate. Right. Didn't know that. Yeah, they put a little bit of red dye in Until there somebody for somebody pointed reason. it out. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it basically it's just chocolate cake. They just yeah. made it a little more red. Why aren't that's they it. making green velvet cake? I'd like to see that's a, a green, good that's a good question. I'd like to see green velvet cake. That would be nice. Maybe good thing for uh St. Patrick's Day, maybe. <laughs> there you or go. Christmas. Yeah. Do a little holiday cake. Yeah, do a checkered one. Well, a lot going on in the news this morning. Um, well, a lot of political things. We see, you know, everything from uh, you know Trump being here in the in the state today, but also uh, the attorney general. She's yes. uh, she's keeping herself pretty busy lately, uh, and she's jumping on the uh, the Amazon lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. I I was uh, so we heard the news that the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, um, had filed suit against Amazon, alleging monopoly practices, mm-hmm. monopolistic practices. Uh, but Michigan is part of that state coalition that is supporting this lawsuit. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, the Federal Trade Commission, and 16 other state attorneys general yesterday uh, filed their suit alleging that the online retail and technology company uh, is a monopolist that uses a set of interlocking anti-competitive and unfair strategies to illegally maintain its monopoly power. Dana Nessel, our attorney general, saying the illegal monopolistic practices of Amazon, she calls it a behemoth, hurt both its own customers and its marketplace sellers, Mm. many of whom are small businesses. She says that Amazon has taken improper steps to dominate all other online superstores and online marketplaces, uh, decreased competition, and raised prices for everyday shoppers. Uh, The free market is meant to work for both buyers and sellers, and Nestle Mm -hmm. says Amazon has corrupted the market in its own favor. Wow. I don't know. How do you feel about Amazon? Uh, well, I remember when they used to sell books. That's right. Then just books. <laughs> uh, I think it is too big. I think what I do think about uh, Amazon is anytime you have a company, don't you want to beat the competition? Sure. I mean, that's the goal. But you want to do it fairly. Of course. Level playing field. But what they have done is disrupted the entire logistics, uh, you know, a landscape because if you think about it, when you order something from Amazon, mm-hmm. usually you get it next day, next day, two days, two days. Yep. Sometimes in some areas you get it in just a few hours. Yeah, yeah. but they have completely disrupted that entire retail uh, shipping landscape because you order from just about any other website mm-hmm. takes you like five days. Yeah, and what do you do? You're like. Clamoring for like, oh, what's going? What's going on? What's taking so long? You know, another word for disruption: innovation. Yeah. So, have they innovated the marketplace? 
I think they have, have the others failed to catch up. I think some of them want some of the things they've failed to catch up, but I will say they have gotten too. They have breached a, a, a size that is too big. They need to. They need to probably break it up, much like what they had to do with with Microsoft. Uh, I mean, you have Amazon their web services and things like that. That's another thing. They they pretty much dominate the internet too. Oh yeah, they sell stuff to the Pentagon. Because when Amazon there was a couple years ago, Amazon web services went down. Yeah. And it basically took out half the websites on the internet the that most people use. Yeah, the earth slowed its over orbit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the worldwide web slowed down. Yeah. Is no, it too seriously. big? I would say yes. It's uh yeah, I mean, I think the, the the competitive practices that they're talking about here. So the complaint alleges that Amazon violates the law because it's not not because it's big, but because it engages in a course of exclusionary conduct mm-hmm. that prevents current competitors from growing and new competitors from emerging. So I don't know if you know anyone who's sold stuff on Amazon because you can open your own Amazon yeah. marketplace. Right. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like an electric mall in mm-hmm. the sky, um, but in order to open your marketplace, you do have to do certain things. And if you don't, you can still have your shop there. But Amazon, what they're claiming, the FTC claims, is they stifle um, mm-hmm. your visibility. They yeah. stifle your ability to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, I mean, it seems to me when I go through Prime or I go through Amazon uh, online. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a level of trust there I don't always have when I'm surfing for shopping elsewhere on the web. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned the, the two-day or overnight versus the five-day, 14-day, hey, maybe we'll send it to you when we get around to it. Yeah. I mean, that it seems like it's an innovation that, uh, yes, it's disrupted the marketplace. Yes, it's probably spoiled shoppers. But at yeah. the same time, it's convenient. Yeah, I don't know a ton of people that do sell exclusively like through Amazon, but yeah. they, uh, I do see sometimes when there's the you know Amazon certified retailer or something like that or Amazon seller. Sometimes when you get that stuff, it's like either refurbished or whatever. Sometimes it doesn't work or it's yeah. not it's not in good a shape. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I. Do you also, when you become a retailer, do you also have to sell your soul to Jeff Bezos <laughs> in book form? Is that is that where they're like kind of saying, okay, these best these are not really best practices for business? But I tell you, it does it does spoil the shopper because now the bar is if I can't get it in two days, what good mm-hmm. are you? Exactly. And and I want that for durable goods. Yeah, I want that for home appliances, televisions, and all the other stuff. Yeah, it has. Yeah, and it's hurt a lot of small businesses too because what a lot of people do is they go to a store, whether it's a small business or a, even a national chain, and they look at the item. And what do you do? You search and see if you can find it cheaper on Amazon. Mm. And most of the time, you can't. So I you will- then don't put your money towards that store. You then end up buying it on Amazon. I love brick and mortar, and and if I can get it now, if I, that yeah. that's great. But I tell you, when I go to when I go downtown to Best Buy or mm-hmm. maybe go to one of the big box other big box stores, and I ask for something and it's not there, yeah, and they say, "Well, I can order it online for you." It's like, "Well, I can do that too." Exactly. I mean, so yeah, I don't and, know, you gotta, and good chance they might. They're ordered from probably their site, but other places may just order it on Amazon because yeah. it'll get there quicker. Yeah. So important for brick and mortar to pay attention to what's going on because we we do have options. Yeah. I mean, Can't I guess hold us ransom. after this lawsuit, what's what's their hope, the outcome? 
What are, what are they Great hoping to question. get out of this whole thing? Because, I mean, I, they, they've been another thing when you're going after a juggernaut like an Amazon or a Walmart or any of these other big companies. It's just like it's throwing pebbles at the at the wall. It's not really going to do anything. What are they really hoping to get out of this whole thing? I think what they're what they're trying to do. Uh, Good intentions. Sure. The good intention is level the playing field so that everyone has a fair has fair access to the marketplace. What they'll probably end up doing is screwing it up for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> costs costs will probably go up. They just take them all all the retailers off the internet, and everybody just gets a catalog. <laughs> you get a catalog, and you got to order from that. Or there'll be twenty pop ups you have to click through. Do you understand that you could possibly go somewhere else for this? Yes. Yeah. Yes or no? Yeah, that's a, yeah. You're right. There's probably going to be a bunch of pop ups and some big messages on their website. Uh, so we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. Even if even if they take a few billion dollars away from them or tell them to change all these things, are they really going to do it? Yeah, you I wanna, don't know. You want to stay in the courts? You want to talk about sure. Trump's thing in New York? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw that on TV because you know we're talking about him coming to the state, but then all of a sudden I see another thing that's like, oh, he's got another lawsuit. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, we 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 talked about yesterday. Okay, he can come to Michigan because there's no there are no indictments this mm-hmm. week. But a ju- a judge ruled yesterday uh, that Donald Trump committed fraud for years uh, while building the real estate empire that catapulted him to fame and fortune and the White House. They would say, um, and he ordered some of the president's former president's companies removed from his control and dissolved really yeah judge arthur engeron said uh, in a civil lawsuit brought by the new york attorney general that trump and his company deceived banks insurers and others by massively overvaluing his assets and exaggerating his net worth on paper uh, used to make deals and secure mm. loans. So basically, he said, "I have infinite amount of money. Sure. Therefore, you should give me a great interest rate on this loan." And turns out, the judge the judge says that wasn't true, mm. and he benefited from it. Uh, so the judge has ordered some of Trump's business licenses be rescinded as punishment, making it difficult or impossible for them to do business in New York, and said he would continue to have an independent monitor oversee Trump organization operations. Hmm. Trump's lawyer said they would appeal, calling the decision completely disconnected from the facts and governing law. Uh, If not successfully appealed, the order would strip Trump of his authority to make strategic and financial decisions over some of his key properties in New York. Jeez. There you go. That's big. Yeah. So you, you open a business like, uh, let's say Jeff Bezos had the same thing happen. Right. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can't can't call the shots with Amazon. And that's another thing to keep in mind is when you're uh, looking at your assets and things, when you're trying to get a loan, especially as a business owner, you can't inflate that stuff. Can't do that. I got this building. Yeah, it's worth $100,000, but really <laughs> it's worth $300,000. Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. All right. Well, yeah. we'll see what ends up happening with that. Just another uh, another one, another lawsuit for him. Yep. We should talk about that next hour when we're not on the air. Should we talk about it with uh, with Congressman Bill Heisinga? Oh yeah. I mean, if he wants to talk about it, sure. I mean, we were talking about the economy. No, we weren't. We we're talking yeah, we, about Taylor Swift. No, we were talking about how she disrupts economies. Oh yeah, yeah. We we're talking about both. Both. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'd love to. I'd love to hear his input. So we're going to talk with uh, Congressman Heisinga about uh, seven thirty, three, four, five ish.
Yes. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, and we'll catch up with him and talk about, uh, well, a lot of things. But one of the biggest things is the looming uh, government shutdown. Right, right. If uh, Congress fails to get their act in order and pass all their appropriations bills or pass a temporary funding bill to keep the government open, uh, this weekend they could head into shutdown, mm. which that always means funky things. Yeah. And that might be a topic of discussion tonight at the Republican debate is just, True. you know, as president, how do you basically get everybody uh, at the playground to play nice? Right. Because uh, that's the one thing that uh, Joe Biden has been trying to be dealing with, with the you know the government being the split the way it is, Republicans and Democrats, how they're just, you know, there's a lot of infighting with a lot of that stuff and they're not able to get a lot of stuff done, much like this uh, this budget. Yeah. They're not able to do that. So, yeah, I'm sure that would be a topic of discussion in the Republican debate is like, how do you plan to make things work? Yeah, for sure. It is the Republican debate. It's happening tonight. Uh, it won't be as big as the first debate uh, as far as who will be debating. The field oh. for the second Republican debate will has shrunk by one. Who got kicked out? Asa Hutchinson. Why? Well, because he didn't make the numbers. He oh. did, only seven of the eight qualified for Wednesday's debate at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California. Uh, the Rep Republican National Committee says former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchison did not make the cut. Uh, you, you have to get at least 3% support in two national polls mm. or 3% in a couple of the early voting states. And you also have to have at least 50,000 unique donors. Now, I think mm. most of the people are making the donor piece. Sure. But as far as national polling goes, people are falling off. Well, they're not, they're just, all of them are just skating by because Trump has like, what, 54% or something? 57, according Jeez. to the, the latest Real Clear Politics average. This is measuring between September 13 and September 24. Mm. They, have the, they have Trump at 57%, DeSantis in a not close second at 14.5%. Jeez. Nikki Haley at 5.6, Ramaswamy at 5.1, and Pence at 4.3. In some of those polls, the individual polls, Nikki Haley is in second place. Mm. Uh, but it's kind of a battle for second place between DeSantis and, and Haley at this point. Who has the best chance? Because it seemed like uh, Ramaswamy was the one that kind of stuck out as the... I don't know how much his numbers jumped up, right. but he was the one that kind of stuck out in the first debate. He did. Who, I guess, out of the whole entire landscape, who is one of those they need to make an impact or they should pretty much bow out? I'm going to say all of them. I yeah. mean, you know, let's let's take a look at the real Because that's the other, the other side of this thing is that all of them have this opportunity to make an impact without having Trump there. Yeah. I mean, they've got to make up ground somehow to that 57%. So you either have to have popularity or money to keep you in, and sure. sometimes both. Um, and so you've got popularity with Trump, DeSantis, Haley, Ramaswamy made his mark. Pence uh, kind of gets the obligatory because he was the vice president, sure. so he's got the popularity on his side. You still have uh, U.S. Senator Tim Scott. I don't know how much longer... I mean, he may last through the year. He may want to yeah. see. I mean, all these candidates, they want to see how they do in that first early mm -hmm. primary. Yeah. Um, you've got Chris Christie in there. Doug Burgum, he's got the money on his side, not mm -hmm. really the popularity. But, you, I mean, you see his commercials, you hear his commercials. Yeah. Um, Asa Hutchinson, you know, getting cut out of the debate is kind of a, a bummer. But, again, if they make some of the early primaries next year, um, they, you know, 
They could do it. You've got the Iowa caucuses, mm-hmm. January, mid-January. Yeah. Uh, New Hampshire probably sometime shortly after that. Nevada in, in February. But you'll probably see them drop off by early February, early to mid-February. So the debate happening tonight, uh, what, 7? Uh, no, actually 9 o'clock. <laughs> 9 o'clock? <laughs> Who are they expecting to watch that stuff? Put it on at like 6. Uh, the debate is the second of the election cycle, and it's scheduled to begin at 9 o'clock Eastern and end at 11 o'clock. It'll be held at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute in Simi Valley, California. It's hosted by Fox Business and Univision, uh, and it'll be streamed live for free on foxnews.com. Okay. And Rumble. I've never heard of Rumble. Rumble? Yeah. It's a, Is that like Crackle? <laughs> it's before Crackle. Before Crackles, it rumbles. Uh, it's a conservative social media platform. See, that's what they should have done, and they're really missing out on the opportunity. Put they it should, on Crackle. <laughs> no, they shouldn't put it on Crackle. They oh. should do a Royal Rumble. Oh. Uh, maybe a steel cage match. Yikes. With a ladder. <laughs> Throw some chairs in there. That's the way I would want to watch it. Yeah. I was either thinking the best way to do the debate <laughs> is either uh, in a ring like the WWE, uh-huh. maybe a steel cage match, or yeah. this would be fun, an elevator. Pack everybody into an elevator, have them do their elevator speeches. Every time the door opens, they throw the question out. They have, you know, the 20, 30 seconds for that to uh, to go, and that's how they do it. I think that's that would be a win. I would watch it. So, is there a trap door in the elevator? Because an elevator speech is supposed to be between 30 seconds and, what, a minute? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And if they go over the time, then just drop the door or the elevator. Or the, yeah. the, well, they, they the drop door. the door, they tell them to get off. Yeah. Yeah, trap door, because they won't get off. You got a trap door on them. Yeah, because it'd be like that chef show where it's the, what is the <laughs> next, next level chef. Oh, that one. Where, like, you don't go up to the next level... <laughs> <laughs> unless you complete and pass the test. So anyways, it's there probably go. good they don't listen to us. So if you want to go check that out, you can you can watch it. I'll, I'll probably watch the highlights the next day. Yeah, nine o'clock. Oof. And we actually have tickets for you to win. You just go to WSJM.com for your chance to do so. Not only is he going to be uh, there mm-hmm. at the Mendel Center, but he's also going to be watching a movie with you. The Wrath uh, of The Con. Wrath of Khan. Con! Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a great movie. Classic. Yeah. Um, but uh, then he's going to answer questions. Have we talked about this before? Are you a Trekkie or a Star Wars? I lean way more towards Star Wars. I okay. will say I did watch a lot of Star Trek Next Generation yeah. with um, Patrick Stewart. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get into the old school. I watched a few of the movies. Yeah. With, uh, well, with, like, I saw Wrath of Khan when I was young. Yes. Um, but I didn't really get super into it. Okay. Um, so, I, I, yeah. I I'm, love, I'm definitely more Star Wars. I love the original series, and it's it's hilarious that there was only, like, what, a season or something? Yeah. Of, of, the, of the original, original. Um, and then it just ran in syndication forever. Mm-hmm. But then when they eventually rebooted and almost did, like, the origin stories yeah. of Star Trek, those were fun. They still, they still have... So like two Star Trek shows on like Paramount Plus or whatever now. <laughs> Do they really? There's a cartoon one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's a cartoon one. Is it's it called good? like Lower Deck. I, I think it's comedy. Like, oh. Okay. One written of those. by like one of the guys that did like Family Guy or whatever. There it is. Yeah. Um. But then they've got another Prodigy. One. 
right? Prodigy? Sure, is that sure. what it's called? I think so. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You got the computer in front of you. <laughs> well, I see Lower Decks is there, and yeah. then Prodigy. They started doing that in 2021. And then there was, yeah, something else. So, yeah, there's a lot of the the reboots. You know, uh, the Star Trek show almost never happened. Do you really? know who gave the green light? Who did? Lucille Ball. No way. Yeah. Did she really? It was, it was her production company. Okay. Because uh, apparently, I mean, if you if you think about it, you watch the old Star Trek, very campy. Yes. And and not really a fun... I mean, it's it's a good show now. As you watch it, you kind of just laugh. It's more of a comedy. It's a classic. But uh, I'm sure on paper, it didn't... A lot of production companies were like, eh, don't really need this sci-fi. Because I think it, back then, they were really in, still into Westerns. Yeah. If it was a Western, yeah. it was good. They funded it. Yeah. But then uh, they were like, space? Really? Aliens? Yeah. I don't know. It took, Lucille Ball gave him the green light. That is awesome. I'm glad she did. Yeah. I'm glad she did. It took me forever to kind of make the realization this was the military out in space. Because yeah. I thought they were just a bunch of explorers just hanging out doing good things. No, they were the uh, the Federation. That was the military. That's yeah. Space Force. The USS Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why I didn't click yeah, earlier. Yeah, that, that was yeah, that was Space Force. <laughs> the Academy and all that. Exactly. I'm surprised that the Space Force wasn't started way back then yeah. like in the 70s yeah. you know when we were really going up there to the moon and things like that if we did yeah i mean you got nasa <laughs> yeah if we went to the that's a conversation for a totally another day if you want to get into conspiracy theories um other things going on yeah this is interesting as as you know we were talking about this last hour about uh amazon and how amazon's just getting too big yep. for things and they're offering just about everything i mean there's a pharmacy, there's all kinds of, pretty much everything you need in life, mm-hmm. you can get on Amazon. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same way when it comes to Costco, yeah. another huge, I wouldn't even call them a big box store, it's just a, a warehouse store. Okay. Uh, they, if you ever go into a Costco, they have everything from hot dogs to car insurance. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now, apparently... You can go to the doctor. Really? At yeah. Costco? At Costco. Oh. Uh, so when you're grabbing the, the toilet paper, the, the chicken, the you know, all the other things in the frozen food aisle, you can walk around and go talk to a doctor. They're uh, offering members virtual primary care visits, and they're pretty cheap. They're only 29 bucks. Jeez. Uh, which is under the cost of 6 Costco rotisserie chickens, if you're doing that. <laughs> but uh, they partnered up with some online physician marketplace called Sesame for the healthcare option. So do they have physical doctors in the place? Or are it says these- virtual primary care, at least, at least to start. But I know you can, uh, I saw somebody just the other day buying hearing aids from there. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, if they have a private room... And they have a, a big enough screen, high quality screen, sure. and the doctor really is talking to me. I could see that work. Yeah. I think you, I don't know if you can get, I know you can buy glasses there, but I don't know if you can like see an optometrist and get like an eye test and all that there. Don't, but if you're an optometrist, just tune out for a moment. Can't optometry be totally AI now? Haven't we talked about we this? We have talked about where that. Where you can just put the goggles on and it's like, okay, yeah, you do have I think they have some technology and any of the, yeah, the optometrists that do want to chime in, if you haven't <laughs> closed your ears, uh, that is the question is, I think there is some technology that can look into your 
your eye because I always thought about that because I yeah. know that when they when they say like there's some children some babies that that have bad vision to begin with when they're born yeah they used a computer and to then they get yeah, yeah they get a computer to figure out yeah. what their correction needs to be they assumed that they would do that for anybody anybody that's nonverbal too um, to be able to test and make sure we got the right correction so why if if the if the doctor at Costco now is an online service. Why can't I just do that at home? Well, you can with a lot of virtual stuff. But why do I need Costco in the mix? Well, you get because they make it free. It might or be cheaper. Not, not free. They it make might it be cheaper. cheaper. Maybe that's yeah, the twenty nine bucks. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, trying okay. to think of my last uh, virtual visit. I've never had a it virtual was, visit. Yeah, I did. It was okay. like I, it was still decent. Was it all right? Decently affordable, but it okay. was wasn't twenty nine bucks. <laughs> Maybe that's the deal. I mean, you can volume. You can book a, a travel. You can book a cruise at Costco. Get your car insurance. Get your tires done, and I, then yeah. get your get yourself checked out. I love the smell of new tires. Yeah, at at Costco, just go to the tire aisle or the area where they have. You're so <sighs> weird. I smell tires. You get some strange <laughs> things that you like, man. Uh, other things, real quick. Uh, a lot of people been talking about this. I, mean, I swear. The past like two and a half days, yeah. social media has just been all about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And I'm, at this point, <laughs> it's it's one of those I don't really care anymore. Oh, uh, it's Tay Tay, but it is. It, yeah, I mean, because I'm a football fan, and I'm also a fan <laughs> of Travis Kelsey. He's got a great podcast that I listen to. Yeah, but it's getting kind of like, all right, are they or aren't they? I mean. You, you know, you, you have the, are they going and hanging out as friends or are they going out as a date? Yeah. You don't really know just yet. Uh, they haven't figured that all out. But it's been good. As we did say, Taylor Swift does disrupt economies. Yes. Uh, she, anytime her concerts are in a city, the, the uh, economy goes up. Yes. There's tons of retail sales, of course. A lot of people buying stuff from the stadium for the, and the tickets as well. But uh, she now is helping out him by uh, boosting the sales of his jersey. Okay. Number 87 from the Kansas City Chiefs has spiked 400% Whoa. since Sunday's game. Yikes. That's awesome. And a cut of that goes to the NFL. Making, of course. Making the cynical news person in me wonder, did the NFL strike an agreement with Taylor Swift Corporation to say, hey, want to hang out at the game? Well, I think they missed the opportunity here because, and I'm sure they they floated the offer, but yeah. they missed the opportunity. You know, the perfect in a perfect world, you have Taylor Swift show up to a football game for the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl reigning Super Bowl oh, champions. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they could have easily been like, oh, Taylor Swift's at the game, and by the way, <laughs> Taylor Swift is going to be performing in the halftime show of the Super Bowl. That would have been a storybook ending, yeah, uh, for sure. But I think they, uh, I mean, Usher's going to be the halftime show, so yeah, that'll be all right. Hmm. But uh, how do we get Taylor Swift in the studios here? Will she come by here? Never. Oh, I know some people that have met her back okay. when she was like 15, 16 years old, just starting out as a country country star. Yeah, um, but I'm pretty sure. You're not, not going to do it. it anymore because there was one thing. I don't know if you saw this. There I mean, was, Lana Del Rey did the waitress thing. Yeah, she, she did. She, it. she was Waffle a waitress House. for a few hours. Uh, there was uh, there was some speculation. The funniest part of this whole entire thing that happened, and if you're not keeping track of all this stuff, was uh, I don't know if you've ever known that uh, when Taylor Swift goes on stage, sometimes yeah. y- you have to go through a crowd. 
Well, to get away from her dealing with the crowd, what they do is they put her in a like a wardrobe case, like okay. a, a like a Suitcase? like a or either like a wardrobe case or like a road case for the concerts. Okay, and they wheel her over to where she needs to go. <laughs> There was this rumor <laughs> when a box. there was this rumor when they were uh, doing all of the uh, the breakdown of the stadium and moving everything from concessions. There was this big giant box that had pop a bag of popcorn on top, but it was uh, it was probably you know about the size of what a human would be, <laughs> and it's just somebody's wheeling that wheeling that through a crowd, and people oh, thought. Boy. That that's Taylor Swift inside there. Now I cannot confirm that, <laughs> but I just find it interesting that the funny things that come out of this this whole thing. But uh, if you're watching, uh, if you've been watching that, or you've been watching football. Pretty much, if you've been on the internet, you can't get away from that whole story. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're really talking about it. <laughs> um, but speaking of economies, yeah. uh, we're going to be talking with Congressman Bill Heisinga here in uh, the next about ten minutes or so. Yeah, about of course the co- the economy, government shutdown possibilities. And a number of other things. Exactly. Yeah, we'll talk about whether Congress can meet the deadline of getting all their appropriations work done this weekend. Spoiler alert, they they will not get their work done in time. But they will probably consider some continuing resolutions, meaning the federal government will stay open. Sure. Or maybe they won't. We'll see. We'll ask Congressman Bill Heisinger what he thinks about that. I'm very excited. we got a special guest on the phone this morning, Ken. Absolutely. Congressman Bill Heisinger, thanks for joining us this morning. You're in Washington, D.C. You're working uh, to try to keep the government operating. Don't close down this weekend. What's the latest? Uh, well, we are uh, we are on that way uh, to towards making sure that we keep government open. Uh, but as we are trying to do that, we are wanting to make sure that there are uh, some serious uh, ref- reforms that are absolutely needed. So here's here's the sort of the state of play. Uh, the Senate and the Biden administration would like to do uh, just a continuing resolution, is what it's called. Uh, to just fund the government as it's currently being funded, <clears throat> excuse me, while we, uh, while we work through all the issues of our appropriations bills. There's, to, excuse me one second, I just need to. Yep, absolutely. And yeah, clear, clear my throat. It was a little, uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a little early this morning, uh, when we walked off the floor, I was telling the, uh, telling the guys off air, uh, yeah. it was a little before 1am oh, um, and, uh, we're going to be, we're going to be going back at it here, uh, in the not too distant future. But so state of play is, is basically you'd like to have the Senate and the white house who would just like to keep everything exactly as it is. And I understand that because the last year's budget when it was formed under uh, the House, the Senate, and the White House, it was all three were Democrat-controlled. Now we've got the House of Representatives that is controlled by the House of, uh, by, by the Republican Party, and so we want some of our priorities uh, injected into those. One of those is the border and the border situation uh, and what is, uh, what is happening down there. Uh, I've been to Eagle Pass. I've been to uh, Del Rio. Um, the, the, the invasion is, and you can't, in my mind, can't come up with a different word than that, uh, uh, that is happening down there is just devastating. So we're seeing Eric Adams and we're seeing all these other folks uh, in big cities uh, that, uh, that are saying, hey, we can't handle this. Well, they've been expecting these Texas and Arizona and, and, uh, and New Mexico communities to be handling it for a couple of years. So 
we're, we're pushing for some reforms and some changes in this. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got some, uh, shall we say, robust family discussions on our own within the Republican Party uh, about how, what's the most effective way of doing that. Kevin McCarthy, myself, and the vast, vast majority of, uh, of Republicans believe that while we are pushing for things like uh, a secure border, and uh, for me, one of the main issues I've been pushing on is having a debt commission to deal with the 33 trillion with a T uh, in national debt uh, that we have and the t- almost two trillion dollars that we're going to add to that uh, this coming year um, that uh, that uh, we keep the government open while we are having those conversations and it, even at a reduced rate and with some of our priorities in them and um, unfortunately some of my colleagues uh, Republican colleagues don't believe that's the right strategy they believe that shutting down the government is going to get people's attention in a way that it's never gotten it before. Yeah. And I agree with them. It's going to get people's attention. I just think it's going to be in a negative way, and it's going to be counterproductive. Congressman, I, I, I like to think I'm a simple person from time to time, and maybe I'll, I'll put it this way. If, if you're driving a car and you're headed toward a cliff, and you know the cliff is a couple miles ahead, you pull off to the side of the road and you think about what you're doing. Why is Congress continually looking at these shutdowns year after year after year after year? How do we, how do we avoid this all-or-nothing type of strategy? Yeah, it, well, it's been, it's been a couple of years since we've had this, but I, you know, I got elected in 2010, and uh, we had uh, shutdown during the Obama administration. We had Trump uh, shutdown, some shutdowns during the Trump administration. And um, it, it has uh, become sort of the new weapon of choice, unfortunately. Uh, and, and here's the simple fact. I, I, I chair something called the Oversight and Investigation Subcommittee for the Financial Services Committee. All right, We have oversight of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the New York Stock Exchange, all the insurance companies, all of the regulators for anything dealing with a bank, a credit union, any of those kinds of things. Um, we're, we're doing ongoing investigations ourselves as to uh, how the Securities and Exchange Commission and other regulators are handling uh, uh, their business. Those investigations stop, right? Those, those, those come to a complete halt while we are uh, in a shutdown. Mm. Um, now extend and you look at what has been happening with the work that, whether it's Jim Jordan at the uh, Judiciary Committee or Jamie Comer uh, at the Oversight uh, uh, Full Committee, Ways and Means that has been working on uh, Hunter Biden's tax records and, and Joe Biden's tax records, all those kinds of things. Those investigations stop. Mm. So some of my colleagues that believe that this is slamming on the brakes on this uh, careening car that's uh, headed mm-hmm. towards the cliff, um, are actually, though, stopping the entire progress uh, in some of these other areas that many people believe are as important. So I think we can do both. Uh, we can build the bridge over this, uh, this gulf that's, uh, that's looming ahead of us, and there is a real one. And again, that's one of the reasons why I've got a, a real push, a bipartisan push, uh, to put together a debt commission that is going to have an honest conversation with the American people that we need about our debt and our deficit uh, and fiscal situation. Well, and another real conversation that's going on in our state as well is uh, the UAW strike that is also uh, continuing right now as we, you know, we're talking about government shutdown possibilities and how long that may go. Uh what are your thoughts and, and are you uh, in any of the conversations with the folks at, at UAW about 
uh, some of their negotiations that they're having because we know that it's, of course, getting national attention with uh, both uh, Joe Biden being being there yesterday and then uh, uh, former President Donald Trump being there as well today. Uh, yep. What are you uh, are you working with any of them uh, on on some of these negotiations? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I am not working directly with them. But interestingly enough, uh, neither is Governor Whitmer, neither is President Biden. Uh, it, now he showed up for, I believe, it was less than fifteen minutes at the at the picket line. Uh, but uh, they are not being involved directly in the conversations uh, on this. I would think, at least at the, uh, for the governor's level, that uh, you'd be wanting to make sure that people are at that negotiating table and encouraging that and being a, a productive part of that. Um, this will have real impact on our economy. Uh, you know, Southwest Michigan, West Michigan. Uh, we have a lot of automotive suppliers. We have a lot of people connected to the industry uh, through this. Um, you know, my own family actually uh, has a is a deep background with the UAW. My grandfather was part of the first original sit down strikes in Flint, and uh, I've got cousins that are UA, UA, UAW retirees and and have been employees uh, for a long, long time uh, in my family. And uh, I can tell you, they, they feel very frustrated. They're very concerned about the future, what's going on. Um, the irony is, is that uh, a lot of this, you know, coming out of an administration with a president that claims he's the most uh, pro-worker, pro-union president ever, uh, well, a lot of the fear that's coming out of this is because of the policies of this administration, this, this reckless careening down the road towards, uh, towards EVs. Uh, without having a plan, has put uh, the UAW back on its on its heels because uh, the manufacturers uh, know that they're not going to need as many people. Uh, they don't know how they're going to be uh, uh, treated in the future. They don't know what the future of the company that is employing them is going to be. And frankly, those companies don't know what the future is going to look like for them either. And we just saw this with Ford putting a, quote, pause on their Blue Oval uh uh, park, mm-hmm. uh, the battery park that is in Marshall, Michigan, um, and uh, because of some of these uncertainties as well. So there's a lot of unsettled uh, uh, minds uh, when it comes to uh, the automotive industry writ large, whether it's in the union or on the business side, on the supplier side. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of turmoil right now. Congressman, we need, and, we need, and we need leadership making sure that those conversations happen and that they get solved. Congressman Bill Heisinga has joined us on the WSJM Morning Show. Uh, one more quick question. Uh, you know, everyone is facing rising costs this, these days, and part of that is falling on farmers. And so one of the one of the yeah. pieces of legislation that you're proposing is called the Asylum Program Fee. What do you want to do about that? What is it? What yeah. do you want to do about it? So uh, the Biden administration, this is their term, not my term, actually, um, they, uh, if you are a farmer or if you ho- have a resort, there's, uh, there's two, two avenues for getting uh, a foreign worker here temporarily, and this is a temporary worker, uh, an H-2A for the agriculture, H-2B, if it's anything other than uh, directly agriculture. Uh, they, uh, the Biden administration has proposed through the Department of Homeland Security some massive fees. If you know a particular person that you want to hire that has maybe been to your farm for, uh, for years, if not decades, uh, they were nearly tripling that fee price uh, to, to do that. Um, but what they were doing on every single application, 
they were adding a $600, in their words, quote, asylum fee. Mm. And it is directly to try to help pay for what is happening down on the southern border. Mm. Now, very, very important distinction. This program is with uh, legal temporary workers, and they are having our, our farmers and others pay a $600 fee per person to help pay for the mess that's happening on the southern border. And meanwhile, when the state of Texas is putting up Constantino wire to try to keep people out, uh, this administration has instructed the Border Patrol to cut it open and pull it back. Uh, so clearly, uh, there is, there's, there's contrary forces that are happening down at this border. But putting it on the backs of law-abiding uh, agriculture uh, workers and owners or, uh, or resort owners is the wrong direction to go. Are you going to get this fixed? Yeah, we've got an amendment that is uh, up. We believe it's going to get bipartisan support, and it's going to be put in there. So that's absolutely a priority for me. And maybe a quick one-word answer. Are we going to get a government-funded or shut down this weekend? I believe it's, we are probably headed towards shutdown, but I'm, we're working on avoiding that. And hopefully, if it is, it's going to be a temporary one. Congressman, very short. thank you very much for joining us this morning, Congressman Bill Heisinga. Hey, good to be with you. Appreciate it.